Hi, you're listening to Happy Hour with Stretch and Stir Fry. You can find us on sailworld.com, yachtsandyachting.com and iTunes. Tonight we welcome one of US sailing's finest. We're joined by Terry Hutchinson, Executive Director and Skipper of American Magic, the New York Yacht Club's challenger for the 36 America's Cup. Terry, welcome to Happy Hour. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. You guys well? Well, as well as as can be expected. (laughs) Are you You rehydrating? I am rehydrating. Big session? I've actually, um, I've run out of steam doing too many happy hours of stir fry, so I'm back on the water now. (laughs) I'm not taking any more. (laughs) I've I've got one bottle of beer, so I'm really taking it easy. (laughs) So Uh, whereabouts are you, Terry, in, is it Pensacola? No, actually, I'm in uh, Harwood, Maryland. I'm just south of Annapolis. I just got back from Pensacola on the weekend. Okay, and... I mean, we have to ask, but how's COVID? Ah, uh, how is it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a pretty... When we were in Pensacola, we were in Escambia County, which um, the, the, you know, the virus was my last look, which would have been at the end of last week. I think there were just around 500 positive cases. Yeah. Um, there were 10 hospitalizations. Um, four recoveries and six deaths over the whole county. So, it's, yeah, Scambia County is probably the same size as, you know, the Isle of Wight, just as a perspective. And we're on the western side of the panhandle of Florida, close to Alabama, close to Mississippi, and about three and a half hours from New Orleans. And so it's a reasonably small town, um, Pensacola. It's a, you know, there's a Navy base there, and it's the home of the Blue Angels. And so in that regard, you know, you didn't feel um, the presence of the disease as much. And we took it from a team perspective, we took it really seriously in that, you know, there's, there's only one thing that can go pear-shaped here, and that's um, the team becoming infected with the disease because we were reckless and went sailing. Yeah. And then the knock-on effect of, you know, having a negative impact on the Pensacola community, you know, it just... Yeah. It seems like the ability for it to go from person to person was exceptionally uh, easy. And so we didn't, we were, you know, we were ready to go sailing at the end of March and we basically sat there for five weeks and didn't take any action because it just, at a certain point, um, you have to keep the bigger picture in mind, I think. And, you know, we represent the New York Yacht Club and, and, you know, with the tragedy that was going on in New York City, you just kind of have to you, know, you got to be smart about it. And, uh, it was hard to, it was hard to sit on the beach when there were these incredible sailing days. And I say that only on the context of, you know, because it's a beautiful sailing venue and we all, that's what we do. We want to go sailing, but it was an easy decision to make when you consider my previous point, which is protecting the sailors, protecting the team, protecting the community that we're living in. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we've, we've said it every week for the four or five guests we've had. Unfortunately, yeah. the coronavirus is bigger than our podcast. It's bigger than sailing. It's bigger than anything we really understand. It is. And yet, how lucky are we to have this great outlet? I mean, yeah. when, we get, when we get back to 
able to go to do our day, day jobs, able to go out on the Alarion 28 that I have here with a couple of friends. And I, you know, hopefully in the state of Maryland, you know, the governor has done here. You know, when I look at it from, from a personal perspective or an American, Oh, there it is. Sir Fry. Nice. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cheers, man. <laughs> Stafford, is your hand really big or have you got a half pint there? No, it's a pint. Is it? Yeah. Gosh. (laughs) But we have been, you know, we've been really, we were lucky in Pensacola because we were in a bit of a bubble there. We're lucky in the state of Maryland because Governor Hogan has been really proactive. It's hard economically because he basically has just drawn a hard line in the sand and says, look, until the cases start coming down over a 14 day period, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing because we have to make sure the community's healthy. Um, there was a certain level of buy-in to that at first and you, know, you give him high marks for being um, proactive and now he's getting a little bit of kickback and, you know, Americans are, it's a funny culture because, you know, give me liberty or give me death. You know, there's, <laughs> it's pretty black and white about what that means. <laughs> yeah, but by the same token, you know, to be a great leader or, a, or, or you know, to, to, to make hard decisions, yeah, um, exactly. it's not easy. And at the end of it, you only want to be respected. You don't really need to be liked. So Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Amen to that, Sir yeah. Feynman. That you couldn't be more true to what you just said there. And that's what these, you know, that's what he's done here. Governor Raimondo up in the state of Rhode Island has done an incredible job at managing the situation, but she kept manufacturing open. Yeah. And so the build of our second boat has been uh, uninterrupted, which is big. And, and so, you know, I, I think about what you just said and there's, there's the, when I did uh, the one Volvo leg that I've done from Cape town to Sydney with Canute Frosted on the D juice. Yeah. Um, but the boat was the color of your headphones there. <laughs> I know. I know. It was a bad paint job. Yeah, it was horrendous. Yeah. But one of the things that Canute drove into us when we prepped for the leg was, let's be the first team to reef when it gets nasty, and let's be the first team to take the reef out. And that way, you're always one step ahead of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, right now, from an American magic perspective, that's really – I I can hand on my heart say we were the first team to reef because we absolutely had the opportunity to sail and we chose not to out of respect to the world environment. And, you know, we're taking the decision that our boat goes on a ship in a week's time and, and goes to New Zealand. And there we have to respect the, you know, again, hard decisions. I mean, what a great job the New Zealand prime minister has done at navigating through this. You know, she's, she's done a really, really good job. And so she's made some hard decisions early on and, and, you know, we're in a position that when she allows us to come into the country in a safe uh, manner, I mean, an America's cup team is an easy team to control because you know pretty much where we're going to be 100% of the time. We're either going to be at work or we're going to be at home. Well, and also I presume that you will, budget your time that you will arrive if you need to be in quarantine for 14 days or whatever yeah. it is yeah you know you you will be Absolutely. whiter than white with your timekeeping and your Absolutely. declaration yeah yeah well that's right i mean that's you know the when from a competitive perspective when you look at it we're probably the safest uh entity that you could you know in a very controlled manner allow into your borders because yeah. we'll do whatever it takes 
Yeah. And Sorry, we're made so by, by the competition. So. Terry, have you got a um, team who are already over there now, seeing as you've accelerated everything? As far yeah, we do. We, you know, we have inside the American Magic team, we have um, 16 New Zealand citizens. And, um, you know, probably, let's see, six of them are boat builders. And then the rest of them are either sailors or shore team. And so the shore team side of it's going to go. And, you know, the boat leaves, leaves Florida early next week. And so from there, we have roughly a month. So, you know, the guys that are a part of the shore team that are New Zealand citizens and residents are going to go straight away and go straight into quarantine. And, and, you know, put ourselves in a spot that when the boat lands and the containers land, um, that we can, within the guidelines that are being um, presented to us, whatever level that they're at, that we're operating in a manner that uh, allows us to build our base. I presume this potentially gives you more sailing days between now and the cup. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, it's. (laughs) (laughs) That was tapping wood, by the way. Absolutely tapping wood. Um, If we can go sailing by July 15th, then we'll gain back a couple extra days. Yeah. Uh, You know, that's, um, you know, I, I think our, and our fate really is in the hands of the New Zealand government and, and the and the guidelines that they set out for us. But again, you know, where you can see, and we've, we haven't had a lot of, we've had some great communication from the channels that are set up. You know, they're all very, you know, keep with the process, keep doing this, but there hasn't been any real guidelines issued to us yet. Yeah. And yet um, when you look at it from afar, uh, what you see is exactly what you described earlier, a hard decision early. So first, you know, great leadership early and, you know, first team to reef, first team to take the reef out and keep the hammer down. Not that this is a hammer down situation. I mean, this has got to be a very methodical part of it, but yeah. yeah but it's a little bit like take, you know, better than anyone on the planet. It's a little bit like taking your medicine on the race course. Sometimes, you know, you, you, sometimes you just you have to take the tough course. decision and get across. Yeah. It's, Oh, yeah. it's medicine, but yeah. it's actually going to do you good in the long term. Well, yeah. if, if the sailing world can choose to have the America's Cup anywhere, it really has to be New Zealand has got to be the best place we could ever choose for potentially the most certain place to be able to hold an America's Cup. Yeah, and they're very optimistic about it all. And, and you know, the, the government and the community there, I mean, they, they invested a lot in Team New Zealand's win. You know, they were... Uh, that was a decade long struggle and uh, good on them for executing uh, in uh, in a scenario where, you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, probably they were underdogs of all underdogs. And so they did a, they did a great job there. And, you know, I think they, you know, you, you can't ignore the economic impact that a successful event, even if it's not a tourist heavy event, but, I, I know what we're going to spend <laughs> yeah. and, and it's not, you know, it's again, it's not, it's a meaningful number to anywhere, any economy. I can look at what we've done in Pensacola, you know, for the last two years, we've operated there with 50 rooms inside of a, of a condominium complex. And, you know, every team member has shopped at Publix and every team member has gone out to dinner and, you know, it doesn't take much for that to actually have a meaningful impact to the community. 
How many of your team are you taking over? I mean, you, I was looking on your website and, you, you know, it's, it's a strong, big team you've got there. Yeah. Um, right now, you know, that right now we're limiting ourselves to, you know, the, the actual outside of the New Zealanders that we already have there, um, which is about 15. I think we'll be on the ground there with roughly 85. So, you know, all, all total, it'll be, you know, 85, you know, depending on the fluctuation of, of people certainly less at the front side and more uh, towards the business end of the regatta. And it's, it's kind of cool. I think that you're intrinsically linked not only with the cup, but with obviously New Zealand with your yeah. history yeah. with Emirates in Oh yeah. seven. And now yeah. with Dino driving. Yeah. Um, is there a little bit of you feels like it's kind of unfinished business, this, this cup thing? Yeah. It's not a little bit of me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say that. Yeah, no, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely unfinished business. Yeah. And that's not, I was, you know, like when I, uh, you know, who knows the outcome of this next regatta. And if in this next regatta, um, we have the same result that we did in 2007, but I walk away from it feeling the exact same way that I did there, which was, there's absolutely nothing we could have done better to win the regatta and you leave it all on the race course. Well, then all you can do is, is take your hat off to the guy that beat you. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I, I have my sports drink here. I'm straight from the gym. I, um, you know, I, again, it's a, it's one of those that I, I can see that we've set ourselves up and we've put ourselves on a good, on a good trajectory. Um, I can see that we've made reasonable decisions to this point, but I also see that the guys that we're racing against are very, very good. From the outside, Terry, when we look at the makeup of your team and, and, and what you guys have done, it looks like a very happy together team. And I'm, and I, you know, I was going through your, your list, I suppose, of people involved. And from the top down, it's, it's a pretty extraordinary gang. I mean, I was looking at your principles uh, you know, it's the, it's the guys who've been winning the most races in the big boat series for a long time. Yeah. You've got Penske, who I really want to know yeah. what his his involvement is, because obviously, yeah. Stefra and I love our love our racing. Yeah. Um. So, what's it been like to have those guys at the top? Well, Roger, I mean, that's at our first Christmas party a couple of years ago. He stands up in front of the entire team and he goes, "I know nothing." about sailing but i know a lot about winning yeah he just puts the microphone down it's like all right guys <laughs> peace out That's strong. That's strong. <laughs> you know? and you know he's exactly what you see is what you get but you know he and hap um you know they're from a from a different generation and they are self-made guys and they are nose to the grindstone and they value people and hard work as their kind of guiding principles. And, and so, you, you know, I think in that regard, uh, they're very similar. I mean, obviously Doug is, you know, he, the relationship that he and I have is, you know, he's closer to my age. Um, he's more of a brother. You know, I can look at Hap and Roger and see a father figure and Doug's more of a brother, but you know, all three of them, provide such great leadership and in the last 
you know, in the last eight weeks when we're going through this time, they have not wavered at all on their commitment to American Magic and to our team and to New York Yacht Club. In fact, they've they've increased their emotional and availability to us, which has been incredible to see. They provided really strong leadership through a difficult time, which, you know, I I always have these, you know, you have these feelings about what the right thing to do is and what the, you know, what the plan should be. And as we navigated through this, we always prepared ourselves to go sailing. And I advocated strongly with them that guys, we have to be ready to go sailing because if the time is right for us to go sailing, then we'll go sailing. And if it's not right, then we won't, but let's at least put ourselves in a position too. And they followed that all the way through. And we had great discussions discussions about when we were holding week to week about what it meant and what we should continue to do. And so I couldn't have made that decision in isolation because, you know, you're representing them. You know, the other kind of the silent partner that we're not really talking about, but shares equal amount is the New York Yacht Club and, and past Commodore Lots, who um, has been an instrumental, you know, fourth principle in all of this. And even though the the membership of the club has been incredibly supportive, both emotionally and, you know, we have over 400 members now that have supported the team financially, which is just, you know, you know, everybody's got skin in the game. Yeah. It's a big family. Yeah. And so when you, you, you hit the word kind of right on the, on the head there, Sir Fi, which is, you know, we are becoming that, that family. And, and Roy, I appreciate what you're saying about when you look at our team and you see the people that we have, you know, we've, we've got this great relationship with both team partners. They waited for us to get our act together and they had offers from Minos and they had offers from Luna Rosa and they chose to come with us, which, you know, from Marcelino, how could you, how could you say thank you more than just thank you? And so, you know, are the stars aligning? Well, you know, we'll find out in 10 months time if they truly do align, but uh, you know, one thing for certain, we'll win as a team and we'll lose as a team. There'll be none of, this yeah and in competition uh as we all know when you go into these things you want people who are in your foxhole that when everybody says charge let's all go together and that's you know it's certainly it's certainly how it feels now that doesn't mean that we don't have our arguments and doesn't mean that especially now i mean it's very difficult right now because uh you know you have to adjust things um, fairly inside the team, both for the principals and for, you know, the entire team, you know, because we're obviously living through a very different time. And, and uh, so we have to be respectful of the resource that goes towards the team. And, you know, as we're all doing our jobs, but, you know, even that builds character and, and, you know, you know, there's a couple guys that are certainly standouts. You know, I hadn't worked and I'm not just saying it cause he's British, but I hadn't worked much with Goody. But, you know, Goody has, as we, as the program has evolved, you know, you always have plan A's and plan B's and Goody's the plan B helmsman on the thing. And, um, you know, he is an incredibly, incredibly He's talented, talented, isn't he? Oh my God, is he good? He's yeah. really, really good. And with Dino, you always, you know, you'll, you know, he's good. Um, but Goody has a, he has an a, innate ability in this boat and in these type of boats and, I think about more of it when we're, you know, we've had a couple, you know, fairly breezy days where you come out of a maneuver and 24, 25 knots of breeze and you're glad that he's 
steering the boat out of the job because you just know the guy's got a good feel for it. So, yeah. How did, how did you guys come up with the decision? Um, you know, Goody is probably quite left field when you look at cup experience and the guys that you probably have sailed with over the years. Yeah. Um, James Lynn, who's our coach had worked with him a bunch at Samba and, um, obviously his racing pedigree is, you know, he's top notch there. And so, uh, he was motivated and, you know, he, he didn't have, um, the aspirations. He didn't aspire to steer the boat. He wanted to come in and do a job and have that be his job all the way through. And, um, and so when we built the team, it was very much built being hired to steer the boat. Uh, you know, Cooper Dressler's being hired to grind. Goody's being hired to trim the main and develop the mainsail program. And Sean Goodison or uh, Sean Clarkson's being hired to support that. And, you know, everybody's the pieces to the puzzle are being hired for their specific jobs. And, you know, competition inside of a team in this one in particular, doesn't feel like the right thing to do. The competition is on the outside of the walls, not on the inside of the walls. And here we're not developing two boats. We're not developing different teams inside the team. And so, you know, in that regard, I think it was, you know, we had to just hire the right, what we thought was the right person at the time, but Paul's been, you know, he's, as you guys know, I mean, he's just an incredibly naturally gifted sailor. And watching him uh, sail the 75, you know, it, it was you as the person who's standing there and the handles grinding and listening to it all. You're, I was just blown away at how good of a job he did. But, but when you say um, competition within the team, one of the great things that that type of setup does do is it drives your um, cohorts and teammates onto higher levels. So mm-hmm. you sort of have uh, almost yeah. motivational competition. Yeah. You know, if, if I'm scoring yeah. eight out of 10, 10 days in a row and you're scoring yeah. eight out of 10, nine days in a row and then a nine, wow, yeah. I've got to raise my game. So, yeah. Well, it's a good point. You know, we just, uh, at the end of last week, you're going to like this stir fry. How old are you? How old am I? Yeah. Hey, hey, you cheeky bugger. <laughs> Come on. 54. Nice. So I'm 51. Yeah, but you look about 26 now. <laughs> but yeah. so we have a we have our grinding thing set up, and we had a goal for last for the last month of you know X amount of hours grinding, and I was fifth. It's the best fifth place finish I've ever gotten. <laughs> Surely, surely you can lie about your grinding numbers. No, you can't actually. That's the beauty of it. There is, there is no line because the watch and the, and the managing of it on all the, you know, all the new technology where you can see all this stuff. But, you know, I, I stand across from a 25 year old or a 30 year old who I put in more hours on the grinder last month than they did. So I was good effort. I was pretty happy with it. <laughs> yeah. So that's cool. So, but kind of to your point though, too, which is, you know, it's going to take all of us to win the regatta and to be successful. And, you know, at the end of the day, if it's not that way, if the only thing we blame at the end is the mirror, then that's probably a pretty good uh, place to be. Yeah. So, so obviously bringing in uh, your long-term Lieutenant Clarkie yeah. and, and Goody yeah. and having Quantum as your sailmaker in a funny sort of way, there's no strings attached. Are they able to have a freer reign with less boundaries attached than maybe the three other boats? Yeah. It's hard to say because we're not in those, um, we're not in those camps. I can say, I know with our, with our sail program and the development of that, 
you know, Sean brings in seven cycles of the America's Cup. Yeah. It's like, Sean, man, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Number eight. Ocho. <laughs> Number eight, it's going to be the lucky one, you know. But between him, you know, he supports Paul a lot. And in the development side, um, Cicho, obviously, yeah. is the senior chip trimmer. But then we have Dan Morris and Mac Agnesi, who are, you know, the younger generation guys that basically Cicho's mentoring. And, you know, it's not – I think about, you know, the question that you asked in the context really is, you know, our sale program is an evolution of what we've done with Bellamente and, you know, that side of it. And so really in the early part of making some of these decisions, we just needed to get on with it. We didn't, you know, time is the number one uh, commodity and, you know, being a, um, being, you know, we, we needed to follow certain things that were proven. And so maintaining those, those, uh, processes that we are in place were really good and does that mean i mean the double skin mainsail from the outside even to to, to relatively trained eyes looks different and we spoke to vasco last week one of the things he alluded to which i hadn't really thought of was he said um a lot of people came in and thought about it as a wing and it's not a wing it's still a soft sail yeah. so you have he's to right. treat it as a soft sail and develop it accordingly yeah he's um, right. it's a great point and you know we look just from the outside and i'm like wow you know the cambers and Mm -hmm. the way that people are setting up the sales are radically different does that Mm -hmm. mean that we're pretty low on the learning curve i think so yes you know i mean that it's going to be interesting to see when all the boats i mean there was a missed opportunity with the you know the canceling of these two regattas and yet it just it forces us really to stay committed even harder to the things that we learned in the mule yep and the things that we've learned over sailing the 75, I mean, we just kind of have to back ourselves. And if it's right, then it's going to be right. And if it's wrong, well, <laughs> it's yeah. probably wrong. And, you know, you know what wrong means. <laughs> <laughs> wrong means oh, a family I, argument. Hey, wrong means a family argument. Yeah. It's going to be a family argument, <laughs> but, but the hard thing that you, you, um, I think what Vasco said is right. It is a soft sale. Um, the evolution of those flying shapes and, and the, the really the big takeaway is that you're developing flying shapes for the windward side now and the leeward side. Yeah. And you have to, uh, you have to think about it three-dimensionally. So does that mean, and, and please, if I step on, you know, a, a nerve and you go, I can't bloody answer that. And you know that, yeah, but do you think come the cup that there will be teams inverting the head of the main to give more writing moment? Um, well, in the mule, we had to because the boat just inherently didn't have enough stability. Yeah, and, but it's, um, it's, it doesn't really scale, does it, the 75? Uh, it, the short answer to your question is no, I don't think, because um, doing that, the boat has enough writing moment. Yeah. And when you invert like that, uh, it is also drag. Yeah. So just a nice twist profile. That's probably where it you know, where you look at it and you think about our 52s or the 72 racing that we've done there, the thought processes are very similar Yeah, because of the point, like you were just discussing, it is a soft sale. And so you still have to treat it in that way. And yet you're always considering the lured side and how the two are acting with each other. And, and again, you know, looking from the outside, other teams, do you think some of the other teams picked it up and thought, Oh, this is going to be like a wing initially. And now 
slightly change, playing catch up, or is that unfair? I think it's it's hard to say not being there. I, yeah. I know that um you know we struggled you know we struggled early on with exactly what you were just talking about. You know it took it's taken uh, you know like Jordy and and the guys beat on on Goody. It's not a wing. It's a soft sale. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, but it's not a wing. It's a soft sale. So you know that there is an evolution that takes place there, and you know we're uh, we're a little bit out on our own with the boom. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Well, I mean, from what you can see, you know, Luna Rosa is definitely boomless. And, yeah. And, and the Kiwis are sailing with a boomless option in their little boat right now. But obviously their big boat had a boom and Ben has some hybrid in between the two, it looked like. so. And just, just, I mean, I'm uninitiated, but I mean, obviously the difference is when you have a boom, you maintain constant depth when you adjust the traveler. Is that correct? just a traveler yes yeah 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 Yeah. but there's so many fascinating parts to it all because the mass rotates you know and all the things that happen geometrically um, with two skins are quite a bit different so so basically it's a science project every time you go sailing it is yeah Yeah, it is (laughs) and now we're at a spot where we've had time stripped away from us and so the evolution of you know think about how far our 52s have come over since really 2005. Yeah. So over, um, yeah, over 15 years of development, how much those boats have evolved. And here we basically will have, you know, everything going really well to the match. We'll have eight months to properly develop the boat. So it's a frighteningly short amount of time. It is, it is. And it, it really drives you to areas of, balancing performance versus reliability versus uh, you know guys you half the challenge here is just going to be delivering the thing around the race course yeah so so throughout all of those challenges which um are numerous really how how much of a weather eye are you keeping on the opposition we keep you definitely keep an eye on them um right now it's difficult obviously because every place is closed down and so it's hard to, you know, watch the Italians. Early on, obviously, when everybody launched, we stayed and we watched and, you know, reconned as much as we can, you know, but we've all been turned upside down with uh, what's going on with our ability to travel and such. So, you know, they, the spies over really the last year and a half were pretty prevalent in Pensacola with us. So all the way through this, the mule and, and through the 75, so. But, you know, sitting here, when you look across the fence, you can see a lot of a lot of strengths in the other teams. And so, you know, part of the ability for our team to develop is picking things that you see in the other teams that are really nice features and and at least researching where they're at and understanding where their boats are at and, and thinking, you know, long and hard about what each one, what each feature means. So um, roughly how long will it take? for the boats to get to New Zealand? What's the time scale for shipping? Uh, it's, it's actually, it's a quick ship. It's 26 to 30 days. So, so does that mean that potentially the little mule might get saddled up again and a little bit more learning to do? Uh, or not? No, no more mule. No she's more been mule. put out to graze, has she? Yeah, she's actually, she's a great little boat and uh, she's for sale. Stir fry if you want to buy her. Oh, nice little weekender. Yeah. A little, week- <laughs> <laughs> little family frightener. Yeah. For you and the... <laughs> 
Um, for a nominal fee, of course. Does, the, it come uh, with, does it come with a manual? Um, no. No. I would highly recommend a, actually a short team of about five. Yeah. <laughs> and a life jacket. Yeah. yeah and definitely. some foiling wizards. Yeah. Zephyr wants us to get into the whole foiling thing. And we're just, we're just. I've got to have a go. I've got to have a go. I'm going to buy a wasp. <laughs> Don't buy a wasp. Come on. You got to grow a pair and just buy an exoset. Don't oh, I thought you, I thought you were going to bequeath me the mule then. No, no. no, no. <laughs> I, I can tell you. So I spent like, it, it's horrific, but these guys, I, I don't know. Should I wish I had my phone with Are me. you still recording, Stretch? This could be good. Oh, yeah. Oh, you are? Okay. In the middle of the summer, yeah, I, I wasn't able to, I never got to a point where I could tack, but I couldn't jive. I just, but every time I sailed, it was like 18 to 20. And I just get out there and I flog myself. It's like, man, what the, what the fuck am I thinking here? And uh, so we had one day where I went out and um, I sailed away from coach and I was coming back in, I was coming down wind and I, I rolled out of the boat. And um, the first thing they teach is if you're going to capsize or if you're going to get launched, roll out to windward, don't roll to leeward. Because as I learned very early, sharp objects, yeah, a lot yeah. of sharp objects. And I cleared yeah. out a rudder elevator. Yeah. Um, but on the same day they were, they were going out there like, you got to put a camera on Terry's boat because he's going to go moss sailing. He's going to kill himself. So, <laughs> so, and it, it's Dino leading the charge, right? Like he's just got to, you got to put some stuff on his boat, you know, get the cameras, blah, 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 blah. Within about 90 seconds, I'm out there rescuing Dean. He's broken his nose and he's got a concussion. So, Oh, um, That'll teach you for taking the that's, piss out of me. That's moth sailing. Yeah. That's right. moth karma. Oh. Yeah. Oh, 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 that's a great picture. Oh, you've got to get that on the interweb. No, you don't. <laughs> yes, you do. There it is, a little bit more zoomed in. Oh, that's impact. So yeah. I think we should stick to the wasp. Yeah, I think that, yeah. Now, well, now, the, so the, the reason to do this is just because it, when you're up and you're doing it and it's going, it is so cool. And it teaches you, like I did a early on in all this, I did a week seminar with Bora and, with, and when I first met Goody and with Andrew Campbell and it's, it's unbelievable to watch. I mean, but it, the concept of the, of the moth is the same as a 75 you know, I, I sailed around for a week on big foils and breezy conditions. And these guys are in these teeny little foils and you could have Bora on the small foil and Goody on the slightly bigger foil. And it doesn't matter how good tactically they are because the guy on the small foil just sailed away from everybody and he'd be 200 meters ahead. Mm. And it just, in its very simple way, it's just, it's all boat speed. But fundamentally, Terry, the difference is you've just listed some of the greatest foiling sailors the planet has ever seen helping you yeah. out. Yeah. And you had an America's Cup boat building team together. Yeah. And then you're looking at two fat middle-aged English guys who are going to have a go on the okay. um, Limington Wasp River. Wasp <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a scow. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, and that, you know, they, you do bring up a good point. Yeah. Okay. Wasp and a chase boat. Get Soapy in the chase boat. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. Yeah. He'd have some good intel. Yeah, because the, the one thing, I never went out without a chase boat. Yeah. Because it just kind of, you know, that that was um, the one day that I rolled out of the boat and the boat sailed away from me. Uh, coach was out there with one of the young guys, and they're like, well, should we pick him up? And they're like, no. 
let him struggle. But, but you know, so they're about, you know, four or five boat lengths away from me. And I'm looking, I'm like, you're going to pick me up? And James like, don't look at him. Just don't ignore him. He, he's not there. And literally it took me probably eight or 10 minutes to swim to the boat because the boat perfectly leveled off and just sailed away. Oh, so the line, he was in the chase boat. When this oh yeah. No, and, and they, you know, it's like, just arm. Don't look at him. Well, I think you should remind him just just quietly when you see him next time, or when you're, you're yep. calling him. Just remind him of his Whitby lifeboat incident in the Finn, where he was asleep. <laughs> Copy that. That's all. He, all uh, That's all he I need will, to say. He will bite. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Copy that. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. Good intel. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the, the reality of it is the water doesn't really know if it's the mule or the 75. Yeah. So it takes the same amount of energy to sail either one. And so you, we're, we uh, made the decision to leave her, leave her back here. Now I've got a completely off-topic question, if I may. Yes. I'm just, I'm just going to throw it at you. How did you and Jim Richardson not win the Far 40 Worlds? I only found that out today when I looked at your... No, we your, did. Oh, you did? In that case, yep. Wikipedia's wrong. Yes, 2004 and 2009. Oh, Dang sorry, it. sorry. Yeah. All right. Sorry about that. No, but actually they were both really, really good regattas because in 2003, we had a great regatta going in Porto Cervo and we fouled out in the last race and we took a DSQ. Uh, oh, and that, that, that leads me beautifully into your rivalry with Vasco then. Yeah, but in 2009... <laughs> So in 2000, so Vasco won the regatta and we went from second, like a solid second to sixth on the last race and massive collision. Totally hands up. That was me. Uh, The next one that we won in 2009, back in Porto Cervo, we went into the last race tied with Vasco and uh, we got second in the race. And it was one of those, you know, typical Mistral. They started at the pin. We started at the boat and the breeze went about five degrees right as we got out to the ley line and uh, we rounded and we actually led the race and they rounded, you know, deep in the mid teens in a 25 boat fleet and uh, took the kite down early at the bottom because it was fresh and gave the lead up to Edo on Mass Calzone. So nice. Yeah. (laughs) Not that I remember these things. No, no, no. But it it was, it was, it was nice. Um, Vasco was very open and and we asked him about your rivalry because it's, You know, from the outside, it's impressive to watch. And obviously, when I sailed with him on Azura and Matador, yeah, yeah. He, he was always paying, um, you know, attention to where you were and what you were doing. And, you know, I'm not saying he's, he was obsessed, but he was certainly keen to have an understanding of what you were thinking. And I presume there is an element of that being two-way that you're oh, yeah. on his yeah, case. But, yeah, the, the beauty of having a competitor like Vasco is that you know when you beat him that you've sailed well. Yeah. And it's always good to have somebody there pushing you the entire time, pushing you on the water, pushing you mentally to not give in and to not relent, to always continue to put yourself in a position to keep asking the question. And then when it gets down to the end of it, to be able to close out when you're in those tight situations, you know, again, those are those opportunities that you relish because that's really the only way that we can you know, eventually measure ourselves. And so when I look over and, and see the, the teams that we've raced against with them, I mean, as you rightfully point out, the Azura team is a great team. Um, and some of the sailing that we've done there is just always, 
I mean, it's, you know, you get goosebumps thinking about it because it's such great sailing and the far 40 was such great sailing. And, you know, I have miles and miles and miles of respect for him as a sailor. And, and, you know, as we've gotten older, I respect him more as a person. So (laughs) it, it would be fun. It would be fun at a certain point to sit down and, and, uh, drink as much as we possibly could and, and yell at each other, you know, with the shoulders down a little bit, maybe with the doors closed. But. I don't think that's that far away by the sound of it. You're both, you're both softening. I'm not softening. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but he is, he is without question. Uh, he is a, a great sailor and um, he's a great competitor. And the thing is, you know, the addition of him, um, if the Luna Rosa team allows him to flourish, they're going to be a hard team to beat. I think one of the things it will do, it will drive, you know, the whole challenger series to new levels. You two going hammer and tongs at it. Yeah. 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 Whatever it takes. Be good for that. <laughs> Just bring a bigger hammer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take a gun. Yeah, that's right. I was just going to say, I think that Vasco paid Terry a huge compliment when we had our uh, chat with Vasco, where he just said that you were a, massive part of his entire yachting career yeah you know? and he had huge respect yeah. and every time you're on the race course it gave him that little bit more so yeah absolutely that's uh, it's, it's um again it's one of those things it's nice to hear because you always want to have the respect from your competitors but you know i don't know you know it started in 1986 at the youth worlds so and it's gone can you remember the actual date <laughs> yeah, it was, it was uh, mid-August actually because I missed the first week of college to do the regatta. And did you lock horns then in the J24s or not? Yeah, we did. We yeah. sailed some in the J24s against each other, but I stepped out. I stepped out for kind of after or before he really, really got ramped up. We did a couple of regattas against each other. Yeah. And after after the Worlds in San Francisco in 1998, once I did what I set out to do, I didn't really go back to it. Yeah. So take the box and move on. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So and here we are in the fifth America's cup. Yeah. So, still trying to tick the box. That's a big box to tick, but good luck. Yeah. yeah, no, it is. And that's the, um, but you think about a competitor like Vasco and if there's nothing else that he's trained me to do, it's to stick with this regatta. The Olympics being canceled and the sale GP being canceled and some of these things being canceled. I mean, we didn't have our, our racing for us for as a team was in 2018 uh, on the 52. And so all of 2019 was spent, you know, we did a little racing here and there, but all of 2019 was spent mule sailing or 75 sailing. So, you know, there's racing and then there's boat speed development and a foiling boat. And then there's, you know, 2020, which, you know, some of the other guys, Team New Zealand, those guys were going to go off and win Olympic medals. And, you know, they have a great sailing team there. And Ben was, you know, smart. and He got into the GP 50. And, and you know, so there was a great opportunity there to at least go racing. And, you know, as we saw uh, Ben in Australia, it doesn't seem like he's lost much. So, uh, <laughs> so you know what you're up against there. And, and in some ways, we've all, the, the playing field's been leveled there. And the younger guys, we have some really great sailors that, you know, you can just see the greenness in them and they're hardworking. Um, I, I know they're flustered a little bit by the fact that we're not sailing, probably not a little bit, but it is frustrating. And then you throw in this, 
monumental uh, world situation. And, you know, I keep trying to reinforce the mentality of guys. Let's just keep our heads down. Let's practice everything that's being told to be practiced. And let's keep training in the gym because the competition is still happening. We're still racing, even though it doesn't look like it right now. But do you think in any team environment, be it football, rugby, you know, sailing, it doesn't really matter. If you have that uh, youthful enthusiasm, the guy who's prepared to ask stupid questions, you know, to, to occasionally step over the mark with some of the seniors in a humorous way, it's kind of good for the culture and just good for the development of the team and just good for everyday life. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. We we got a couple guys that are, um, they're really good guys. They bought a pontoon boat, you know, they, they hang out on their pontoon boat and, you know, it's like, well, what else do you do? Living in the dream. And, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, what you do. Yeah. And, um, but they're good guys. They're hardworking guys. They laugh. And that's, you hit a, a great spot because that's, you need that component inside uh, the wider team to keep everybody real. And I, you know, they, the challenge that, that personally I continue to face with it all is that you want to, you know, you want to participate in all that and you want to be there and, and enjoy some of that stuff. And yet, you know, the time component is it draws, you know, there's, there's a lot of other stuff and, and then there's 51 years old trying to grind with a 26 year old or on the other side of it, you know, there's the, the simple math of it all that uh, mother nature is not working for me. So. Yeah. But if you add your two ages together, the average is okay. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> good point <laughs> you want to play that card more often yeah and, and just uh, while you talk about grinding uh, one of your guys is a bit of a fairy tale story isn't he yeah we have a couple guys um actually tim hornsby was an olympic kayaker yeah um andrew scuffspin was an olympic kayaker gold medalist um cooper dressler uh trevor bird you know as you go through through the squad you know they're all they they each have their own unique stories but you know tim actually from a pure grinding machine perspective he's he's tested the best on the team and you know his first time sailing was on bellamente yeah and uh and so you know but these guys they're when you look at us you don't it doesn't you know a couple of the guys like they're really really good athletes and then you look at um you know, then there's the evolution of like Sean O'Halloran, who's from Oak Cliff, you know, came through that program, you know, basically got hired to be a part of the shore team and wanted to be on the sailing team. And the guys just said, look, you meet this, this benchmark, um, you do the training on your own, we'll help you with the program, but you do the training on your own and, you know, but your primary responsibility is with the shore team. Um, six months later, he hit the mark and achieved you know what went over it by a minute and you know now he's part of the sailing team but when i when you look at him uh he doesn't he doesn't reek of athlete but on the inside he's got this engine and he's got this you know he's evolved i mean i shouldn't say he doesn't reek of it now because now he does i mean his body's evolving he's changing shape he's you know, you can see the benefits of it, but he's just got this great engine on the inside. And also he's probably mentally pretty strong as well. Well, there's, you know, you definitely have to, I want to bottle up a little bit of anger and rage for all of them so that they can take it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the beauty of sailing against Vasco for the better part of 30 years is it teaches you to, (laughs) to get ticked off. (laughs) Yeah. And then you know when to take the cork out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
that's right. I'm sure you've seen it a couple of times, Stir Fries. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've been on the end of it a couple of times. <laughs> well, if you guys make it to New Zealand, if you're allowed there, our house is your house for sure. So don't uh, hesitate to reach out. Cool. And, Hugely uh, kind. Th- thanks so much, Terry. It's been wonderful uh, chatting and listening to you. Well, I look okay. forward to crossing tax, Stir Fry. Yeah, That'll sooner rather than later. Let's yeah. uh, get Absolutely. everyone back out there and uh, get back to doing what we love. Absolutely. Good night, right. Terry. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. Cheers, bud. It's been fantastic talking to you, Terry. Insightful, enjoyable. Thank you very, very much. I mean, I just want to say that given the, the lead group that you've got with the magic, I think, as you said, possibly the stars are aligning. It sort of smacks a little bit of 87 and Dennis and, you know, maybe the ability to bring the cut back to the U.S. There's a lot between here and there. And as I said earlier, you know, you know, the comp, the competition is very, very good. So, you know, we'll keep doing it in the, we'll keep chipping at it in the manner that we have. And, you know, we'll see where it all falls here in, I guess in 10 months time, but looking forward to the opportunity. That's for we'll, sure. We'll get you back on before then for sure. Absolutely. Excellent. Absolutely. Thanks guys. I appreciate the opportunity to talk and I hope you guys are all safe and healthy and well. And, and Thank you, you very much. Thank yeah. you very much. I look forward to crossing tax, stir fry.